what does the word empowerment mean to me? Oh man, I guess like uh, based on what we've just been saying, it's like really getting to know yourself and those parts of yourself you don't want to know. <laughs> um, you know, those shadow parts, right? They call it. And uh, once you, if you have the courage to tackle that, then you are truly empowered. You're listening to Hello Lovely, the podcast, a space where we empower extraordinary women to use their voice, all while keeping it real. Oh, hello, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to the pod. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Episode number, what are we on? 13? 13. I think Episode so. Episode 13. <laughs> it's 13 now, if it wasn't before. <laughs> yes. And I mean... Where's the lie? Where's the lie? No, it's 13 for sure. Okay, perfect. We're good. We're good. We're organized, y'all. We got this. <laughs> We're back. I mean, if you listen to last week, we um, definitely forget how to podcast. So that has continued. <laughs> we still forget how to do things. Yeah. Um, but we'll get right into it. This episode we actually recorded uh, earlier this year um, before our little break. Uh, We interviewed the lovely Tiffany from Girls Rock Ottawa. She is unbelievable, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right. Today we have Tiffany Tree, who is the chair of Girls Rock Ottawa, which is a community organization that provides professional development opportunities, community engagement, and advocacy support for girls, women, and gender diverse individuals to help gain equitable access to opportunities in music. We love how Girls Rock stands for empowerment for girls and gives them space to be themselves. Welcome, Tiffany, to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you became the Girls Rock chair in Ottawa? All right, yeah. So I'm born and bred in Ottawa and um, have also been doing music for most of my life. I started playing piano at the age of, I think, four. So that it's been a big part of my life. And um, I started getting, I started volunteering with Girls Rock Ottawa back when it was called Ottawa Rock Camp for Girls. And I was just looking to get back into the community um, and feel a bit more connected because I had like finished school and I was working and it gets hard, eh? Like once you're working, um, trying to meet people or like connect with people with similar interests outside of work gets very difficult. And um, so I was like, why don't I volunteer for this rock camp? It sounds pretty cool. Um, so I, I uh, went and I volunteered as a keyboard instructor and uh, had a great time. It was really awesome. And then the following year, and this was in 2014, and then in the following year in 2015, I had the opportunity to join the board. So I did that. And then uh, a few years later in 2017, I became the chair um, when that opening or opportunity came up. So yeah, and so that's been since then. How long has that been? Three, four years? Like, yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, so I've run, at this point, I've done how many camps? Like eight camps, you know, eight rock camps since and um, have seen the organization grow a lot. And it's been pretty challenging, but also really rewarding. And um, yeah, and here I am today. That's amazing. That's awesome. So you've been a musician 
essentially your whole life since you were a little toddler growing up. What kind of, did you take like piano lessons when you were? Yes, I did the whole like classical piano thing. And uh, up until I think I must have done it until I was like 16 or 17. Um, But unfortunately, I was by that time, I hated music because it was so um, I found it really rigid. I did the Mm -hmm. Royal Conservatory of Music. And, you know, I get why you do like they teach you like that and but it was like you had to do exams which were like the most terrifying things ever where you have to like play a song or like just really pretty wild uh like exam like what would they do they would play you know they play like intervals for example and you'd have to like name what that interval is (laughs) oh gosh terrifying (laughs) (laughs) right yeah and so yeah imagine that as like a teenager and it's just so much pressure it's just like you and adjudicator and I also felt um that it wasn't that creative like Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that experience now because like my you know my fundamentals or like my technique like it's great to have that but like I wish they could have made it a little bit more fun (laughs) yeah because I probably would have kept going with it a bit more and would have enjoyed it more um yeah so I think that experience is what I bring to my approach with Brockamp now, where it's like, I get why it's really important to do those tough scales and exercises. And it that really brings in an element of like discipline and commitment to a craft that is really important um, for any age, especially for youth. But at the same time, let's also make it a little bit more fun. And like, let's have a little bit more creativity infused in it. So like, um, people learning music or this any art form can also like have an opportunity to find their own voice. Yeah. You know? So yeah. So I think it was like, I'm glad I had that experience, but this is what I would change a little bit. And that's how, what I bring to um, the organization now. And that's our approach for our programs now. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause growing up like for, for young adult or for young kids and stuff, music helps teach them patience and discipline and, um, it really helps with like learning too, like the theory and all that. Um, but you're adding the creative spin onto it. Cause that's, that's also important for the, the outlet aspect of it too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like I think studies show like it helps with like spatial awareness and like all this. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also found like now as an adult looking back on it, it, it gave me a growth mindset because I know that if it just takes hours of practicing something and the more you do something the better you will get at it and I think knowing that like you know I just at the when I was was at the final stages of learning piano it would take about a year to get a song to learn a song um Mm -hmm. so like knowing that it takes time I think was a really good lesson but like I was also crying in all my lessons (laughs) at that point (laughs) so it's like can we get that without the like sadness as well and you're like in the middle of a teen angst so like my poor piano teacher was like oh god (laughs) she's crying again (laughs) it's it's so funny you're saying that and I relate that back I was in competitive sports and I relate that back to my experience with competitive sports the like crying through it knowing that it takes a full year to get to your like final show um oh that's crazy (laughs) especially piano too i imagine it's just like a classic 
instrument where you just imagine like so much pressure and uh, discipline and yeah, tears. I kind of imagine that too, especially being a kid being like possibly forced to do that. Yeah, yeah it was definitely, I think that's part of the problem with the whole classical music and uh, scene is that it's a little bit elitist. It's a little mm -hmm. bit uh, oppressive, <laughs> to be honest. That's how, kind yeah. of how I felt by the end of it. Um, so it's like, it, and it's that's a bit of a loss because there are, were good things. So it's like, can we take the good elements of that and combine it with like fun <laughs> and community yeah. and creativity? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought so, adding some fun to it would actually, you know, make people enjoy it more when I keep mm -hmm. doing it? Um, so is that kind of what fueled your your passion for improving the music community? Yeah, it started off as that. Just you know, what would I have liked? to have received in my own music education as a youth. Mm -hmm. So it started from that and then it kind of grew. So my kind of like the purpose and the drive evolved as I got more involved in the music scene. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the cool things that came out of my experience volunteering with Girls Rock Ottawa was I met a band um, through that experience and I ended up joining a local band that I played in for about three and a half years. Amazing. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, we played like Juno Fest when it came to Ottawa. Um, we went up to Yellowknife to play Folk on the Rocks, which was like just so cool. You know, so just That's some of these so like, cool. yeah, really unforgettable times with like mm -hmm. amazing group of people. Um, yeah, but at the same time, being in a band, you, I started to get m more involved in the music industry and starting to see just how just all the barriers and just how hard it was for underserved communities to really succeed. Um, like I remember there was one show that I played and we, the band was composed of three uh, female identifying artists as well as uh, one male identifying uh, musician. Mm -hmm. And I remember, so it's like three, three women, one cis male and we went on to this we played the show and we stepped onto stage and even though we weren't all women um some sound tech sound technician was like oh look a girl band and i was just like oh my god and we weren't even just being yeah. 75 percent and having most of the female musicians being at the front was enough to come like to trigger that type of comment like oh mm -hmm. her, her, her. you know what i mean <laughs> and yeah. And I, uh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I remember I just like looked at him and I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> and that's all I could get out at that moment. <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like seeing stuff like that. I was like, oh, it's so it, this is still a weird thing for some people, eh? You know, um, mm -hmm. seeing that and then just seeing all the invisible barriers, just how hard it is, um, which led me to see just how lacking in representation and diversity, equity and inclusion there was in the music yeah. industry. And um, and I was like, okay, well, let's do something to change it. And so it really evolved just from like, okay, how can we make music more fun and creative to like, oh, there's like some major systemic issues here that we really need to address. And um, so that's like my purpose and drive has, has kind of evolved. That's good. That's amazing. Probably will be ever evolving. Mm -hmm. as we continue as well, which is so good. But back to the camp a little bit. So is it like a one-time event that you have or do you have several events throughout the year? Like what does it look like if someone wants to like be part of a camp session? Um, so currently we do rock camp once a year. 
Um, it's a, like our annual flagship type of event. And pre-COVID, um, it would be in person. We would do a weekend um, where campers come. They learn how to play um, the guitar, the bass, dr- uh, guitar, uh, drums, or keyboards. So they get a choice to learn any of those four instruments. And um, then we they form a band and they would learn and perform a cover song at the end of the weekend um, at the National Arts Center, which was really, really cool. Um, yeah, and then we would also do workshops throughout the weekend, like er- everything ranging from anti-oppression workshops um, and like safe spaces, mm-hmm. all the way to like songwriting, vocals, um, and like sound tech, just so like, knowing how to be a musician you know kind of like the building blocks yeah. so that was the the structure of rock camp and uh we also so we were doing that every year we also once ran a women's camp um a couple years ago we'd love to do that more often um so yeah so that so that was our flagship and um we started doing year-round programming by adding on monthly jam sessions um, with the idea being like, you know, just b- what we were talking about earlier about how like just doing, you have to do, it requires a lot of repeti- repetition to yeah. get really good mm-hmm. at something. So I was like, okay, doing a rock camp once a year is not going to create that change um, in the camper themselves as well as in the industry that we need to see. So like, what can we do to keep growing this, you know? So the monthly jam sessions were a, like a like a free jam space for uh musicians to come alumni campers or other musicians to come and just play um they could either practice with their band or practice with new people which was kind of cool and then um after that what was really cool is uh we did have a band form out of a camp come to our jam sessions and i was i noticed that they were really awesome like their music was really awesome and so then we were able to we booked them to play like an open mic and uh, after that, they started playing their own shows and getting booked at festivals in Ottawa. So I'm starting to see a pipeline mm-hmm. of uh, how we can develop musicians uh, from underserved communities in Ottawa to like grow their skills and then like take off, you know, <laughs> like um, yeah. and take off on their own and have hopefully careers or whatever it is that they define as success in the music industry you know so yeah that's amazing yeah and what has been the feedback so far aside from like seeing that that pipeline you said what has been the feedback you've received from the girls who have attended the camps Mm, yeah I one of the main things we've heard especially from the youth is that it changed their perception of what a musician could be Um, Mm. I remember one camper said that before camp uh, my idea of a musician was like, you know, a, a dude rock star with like mm-hmm. girls on his lap or something like that. And she said, yeah. after camp, it became a musician. My idea of a musician became like me and my friends screaming our hearts out and like singing to whatever song they were, they, you know, they perform at the end of the weekend. And yeah, I think like it makes music feel a bit more possible. Um, for people mm-hmm. and also because they have a, a sense of community um, you're not trying to do this alone you have help especially as a young person you have help from 
you know, professionals. We have a lot mm -hmm. of volunteers and teachers who are professional musicians. And that's really cool. I'm like, that's something I wish, you know, my younger self had um, growing up. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's I love, I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. They're seeing um, the possibilities for themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned in one of the workshops, you have a sound tech workshop, which I love that because in all my years of going to shows and live events, I don't think I've ever seen a female like sound engineer or sound tech, at least in my shows I've been to. It feels very rare to see that. And um, it's probably such an obviously male dominated field um, mm -hmm. from my eyes. So have you had good like reception from offering that sound tech workshop? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. It's, there's so much a need for more representation in the sound tech. It's that same yeah. problem of like women in tech, right? Like mm -hmm, uh, yeah. we talk about like women in music, but women in tech is a whole other story, you know, like yeah. women producers are about like, Oh, it's like less than 5% or something like that. It, the numbers are really, really low. Um, like I know that um, a recent study found that of the top um, 100 songs, the Billboard top 100 songs from 2012 to 2019, only the women producers made up 2.6% of those songs. And so those are like, the, like obviously the most popular commercially uh, successful songs, but that gives you an indication of where we're at in terms of producers, which is more the mm -hmm. text thing. And I know um, sound tech is around the same you know for a while they call yeah. them sound guys right um yes, it's only actually. you know it's only <laughs> yeah. yeah and um it's only starting to change now and um yeah so we started running this sound tech 101 workshop a couple years ago in partnership with the city of ottawa um their community arts and social engagement um branch and uh, it was went over really well like we usually have about 10 people come it's a full day like eight hours and our amazing sound tech is Kimberly Sundstrom mm -hmm. and she just really offers like goes through sound tech from the equipment all the way to um we, le we learn like the theory like the equipment and then the mm -hmm. second half of the day we actually set up a PA system um, with everything like the mics and the speakers and everything and the, the monitors um, for a band to do a sound check. And all the participants actually run through a sound check themselves. So it's really cool and it's very hands-on. And mm -hmm. yeah, and she explains it in a way that's really accessible. You know, I mean, instead of being like, yeah. you know, this like really convoluted way to explain something, it's just like, mm -hmm. nope, this is all you need to know. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we've gotten really good feedback, um, especially from people who are uh, musicians or run DIY shows. It's really helpful just to know what the thing is. <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. I remember when yeah. I first started doing shows, I think a lot of a lot of especially women and gender diverse folks, we tend to I don't know what it is, but we tend to learn acoustic instruments first um, and we don't play around as much in the tech. Um, yeah. I know when. I started playing in the local band and I was at my very first sound check, like a first show. And they're like the sound tech who was of course a dude was like, Oh, just the plug that in the DI. And he like handed me this cable. And I was like, I like looked around to my bandmates. And I was like, like what? Like, I didn't know what that was. And so I like looked around to see what they were doing. <laughs> and then saw this, I was like, maybe this is the DI. And like, 
plugged it in and luckily nothing exploded. But it was just like, <laughs> you know, like, but it was like, it felt so like, I felt like, oh, as if I don't know what's going on and I'm mm -hmm. supposed to be a musician. So it can be a huge confidence booster to yes. know what the things are. <laughs> so yeah, I know like exactly. when we were creating the course material for that, for the workshop, I, I did this thing where we created, like we put the equipment, the photos, and then like you have to fill in the blanks of like what the thing is. <laughs> Just from my own experience of like, I didn't know what anything was, you know, so yeah, yeah. so it, it's been really positive and hopefully like once the pandemic is over, we can keep doing that and like um, also give more uh, career opportunities or practicing opportunities past the workshop, kind of similar to um, the same model that we have for camp and, and for musicians, but doing the mm -hmm. same thing for other positions that are underrepresented, like sound technicians. So yeah. Yeah. It's awesome that you've experienced these little, well, not even little things. I shouldn't say little. You've experienced these things so you can apply them when you're when you're doing the course material and you know that the the next group of girls is going to get you know, learn from your your life lessons basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's like everything I was like, "Oh, I wish I'd had that," you know, and yeah. then I, I yeah. Put, I build that in into like the program design or course design. Yeah. Yeah. So where do we still like, where do we still need large improvements when it comes to the music scene or the music community in Ottawa? Oh my goodness. Huh? Loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Do you have five hours? <laughs> Cole, Cole's notes it. <laughs> well, okay. So I would say the first thing is, um, more women gender diverse folks mm -hmm. and especially BIPOC women and gender diverse folks in positions of power and decision making. Mm -hmm. um, that is the number one thing we need more of um, because it, it's uh, sorely lacking and that's to put it lightly and because of that it trickles down. Um, yeah. I remember a couple of years ago our organization started um, evaluating festival lineups for gender. Mm. And it was pretty appalling. Um, there are very few that are hitting gender parity. Like mm -hmm. that's like, and that's the bare minimum at this point. Um, yeah. And so like, yeah, I won't name names right now, but it's like, it's pretty awful that we at you know, 2020 and we're still 2021 and we're still not even at gender parity. Um, when you have all these amazing like uh, musicians out there is just like not an excuse. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it's because it's like these like circles of like agents that will just book the same artists over and over again and that type of stuff. So it's like, until you get different people making those, deci the, those decisions, it's mm -hmm. going to be very difficult to change. And also then like beyond just like gender parity, what is the pay? Are they being compensated the same? It's very likely not because if you look at a festival lineup, um, you we like doing the analysis of them because it's almost like an org chart. They put the artists, the headliners, right at the very top, yeah. and then mm -hmm. the people who are you know not as the you know not as notable, for, you know, we'll just say that um, are lower down in the festival lineup, and yeah. um, that typically means they're going to be paid less like a more or less right and so like where are the women on those 
and, and gender diverse yeah. individuals on those festival lineups? Where are the BIPOC? Like, what are they being, what is the compensation rates? We don't know that because there's no, it's very, it, there's no transparency yeah. with that type of stuff. We don't know what people, um, what other artists are making in comparison to others so um it's very difficult so yeah until you start having decision making like the voices that are making decisions change mm -hmm. and like to advocate um and mentor uh, underserved communities it's going to be very very difficult to break that that ceiling yeah yeah Aww. well you guys are doing amazing work to push that <laughs> you know push younger girls out yeah. with confidence and yeah knowledge of knowing that world a little bit better which is yeah. that's so good i just love it love yeah it. for sure yeah thank you and just trying to we like pay our alumni campers if we've booked them for a show and we always make sure they're paid so just like knowing awesome. from the get-go you know there's some of them are like yeah. 14 15 it's like no you got paid for that show you know yeah. um, that can really like change how you feel about yeah. music and how you feel about like yourself because it's like no you are bringing something of value yeah. to the table and you will know that at the young age of 14 or 15 you know like yeah. and uh, yeah. hopefully then it makes it um, apparent that they can ask for that later you on in their lives yeah yeah you're showing them their worth mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's amazing and for what their talent and their experience and what they're bringing to the yeah. table like so yeah. important to advocate for themselves mm-hmm um, Amazing. We have a little segment at the end where we ask you three questions and it's kind of a reoccurring segment we're doing with our guests going forward where we ask them the same three questions and just want to hear their, their specific answer to these. So we have our first one is what has been your favorite failure and what did it teach you? My favorite failure. <laughs> hmm. I would say the, the biggest challenge and where I have failed is um, in being a leader is the people management and leadership mm -hmm. aspect. It is the absolute toughest. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had times when people on your team, it doesn't work out. Uh, like, you know, it's not a good fit. And um, that can feel like a failure when you have to say, like, this is not... Um, this is not uh, the right place or, you know, like our, this is the organization and, and this, and this person are not on the right path or not on the same path. And it can be so uh, difficult. And um, in terms of, so there's that, and also just like giving feedback. Um, mm -hmm. There's been times uh, in the organization where like, I'm used to doing a bunch of things and like letting other people um, take on their roles and responsibilities has been a huge challenge. And yeah, um, yeah like I once like, I remember I was starting to let go of like posting uh, things on our social media because it was like time for me to delegate. And like we were yeah. creating systems like a content calendar and like all that stuff. And I remember I archived something uh, or like deleted something or maybe both uh, of someone's and I didn't provide an explanation. I just did it. And it caused hurt feelings and rightfully so because I didn't communicate why I was doing that and I didn't provide feedback because I was like afraid of like hurting feelings but then by not saying mm -hmm. anything it hurts more feelings yeah. <laughs> so it's like learning how to say like hey like you know what that didn't meet my standard 
Um, but I was so afraid to say that. I was like, but it's it's okay to say like that didn't meet my standards. So I did take that down, and let's talk about how we can improve on that moving forward. Yeah. And um, it's it's been great because it we cleared the air and I apologize. And you're like, you know, it takes a lot to even do that, you know, but getting to that point where it's like, okay, this is like our relationship and like me being a leader, it means giving candid feedback, but yeah. with compassion and, um, and like also making it clear that when I'm giving feedback, it is for, um, it's in service of their development as yeah. well. Um, so like, make, so that was really good. Like it's, it's tough to get through those moments where you're like, ah, oh, I messed up, you know? Um, but, and I've done those things so many times, you know, but it's just like, now I'm starting to get a better sense of how to do that. And like, um, to be able to give feedback without feeling bad about it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, so it, that has been, those are probably the hardest parts and where I have failed and where I am getting better with it. And I even like over the pandemic i actually hired a like a personal development coach um to help mm -hmm. me with that stuff uh especially with my leadership because like i typically in the past would get frustrated and then like you know just and then like burrow it inside or something yeah. like that but it always comes up right so it comes out <laughs> it seeps out in one way or another and it's like finding ways to not do that and express myself more clearly um giving yeah giving clear honest feedback but like with compassion <laughs> so yeah. that has been the biggest thing biggest failure but also now where i feel like if I, like oh if I, i'm getting better at this and if i can really nail that i'm going to be a really really awesome leader yeah those are the things you you grow from right those little things that yeah i mean you have to mess up to grow right mm -hmm. and being in a leadership role is not an easy feat so you know power to you <laughs> yeah thank you it's actually the the hardest part like yeah. all the other technical stuff like all that you can learn all those things and but when it comes to feelings and people and being aware of your own self and your own uh your triggers and yeah just yeah. like learning to be more aware of yourself and your emotions and triggers is like the best thing you can do and yeah. um yeah and and you have to have a level of empathy and oh man and i mean it's amazing that you recognized that you needed to get a development coach as well. Cause mm. like most people wouldn't even think of that. So mm -hmm. honestly, it's life changing. Unreal. It's been absolutely been life changing to have, because like, you know, like if you have like siblings or friends, like they can tell you this, but you're not going to yeah. listen. <laughs> oh no. Oh God. No. Yeah. So true. Like, <laughs> you yeah. need like a, like a third person. A neutral third party um yeah. and, and who's like being someone who's like certified is also better and they know how to give yes. feedback and stuff like that but yeah it's been it's been life-changing I've definitely grown so much in the past year since like having a coach and like yes literally that's not easy to like my coach will call me out on my my bs and like okay so where is this coming from like what yeah. is this emotion telling you i'm like i don't want to talk about my, my emotions right now <laughs> stop calling me out on all my bs and then <laughs> but when you actually sit down then like after i calm down I'm like ah oh, she's right and then like, doing oh, the man. hard work and like you know journaling all that stuff so it's been really really yeah transformative that's amazing. Okay. Um, okay, so our next question is who or what has been your biggest inspiration? Hmm. 
Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, who I would probably say just like in this context, definitely actually the campers, they oh, inspire me to keep doing this work because it's not easy. Like we've said, and sometimes like, and I also do this in my spare time. I have a day job. Like I have a day yeah. job in the government. Um, and so all of this can sometimes feel really thankless, <laughs> especially wow. when I'm like lifting gear, like, you know, yeah. heavy gear <laughs> at like 5 a.m. for a rock camp. I'm like, oh, why are we doing this? You know, <laughs> um, it get, yeah, and it can get really hard sometimes. Um, but like seeing the campers grow um, is really inspiring and seeing the ones that come back year after year and you actually see them like grow up. Like I write yeah. reference letters for, you know, like, to get into university. Oh, You're like, oh my God, like they're adults, you know? And um, also just, I, I will never forget one camper one time came up to me and said like, oh, I see you everywhere. You know, like if I'm on a poster for like a show or like I'm on an interview or something like that. And she's like, I see you everywhere. And I always, and I think she looks like me. And, oh. and then you're like, oh my God, it's real. Like, yeah having that representation is real like it is important and i can i know that it's real the how how much it's needed it affects people in real life so um knowing that uh keeps me going even when sometimes like you just want to like throw your hands up and like yeah. quit but yeah that keeps me going oh that is unbelievable can be goose pimples here i know our uh, last of the our little questions here was, what does the word empower mean to you and how do you embody it? Hmm. And what does the word empowerment mean to me? Oh man, I guess like uh, based on what we've just been saying, it's like really getting to know yourself mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. parts of yourself you don't wanna know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, those shadow parts, right? They call it. Yeah. And uh, once you, if you have the courage to tackle that, yeah. Then you are truly empowered and and then you'll be in better service for whatever it is that you want to be doing. Um and better service of your community. Um because yeah, like if you know yourself and you know like where you're you're not afraid of like the emotions that you're feeling and mm-hmm. calling it naming it and dealing with it. <laughs> I think for me since I've done that, it's been yeah, like it's been the most empowering thing and um yeah so knowing yourself first so i guess that's what i'm saying knowing yourself first and then using that to then yeah work with your community to make changes and that's the best thing about girls rock is that uh it is a community and it's like working together and that makes it more fun but also more it feels safer and more supportive um yeah and also you have people keeping you accountable which is really nice and then yeah, and then I feel accountable not just to the cause, but to them as well, to to the team, to the community. And um, yeah, and you all kind of like rise together, which is really nice. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Great stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're getting to the end bit. Thanks so much for chatting with us today, Tiffany. It was so lovely hearing about what you're doing and about the campers. And I hope to goodness that all this COVID shit is over soon so you can get back to having some amazing camp days yeah. that sounds so good yeah absolutely and 
Yeah. Should we get into the rec part of the podcast? Yes. Recommendations for the week. Um, Tiffany, did you want to go first? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I could. Something I'm reading right now is. Um, mm. Okay, what am I reading right now? I'm. Oh, I just got uh, Stacey Abrams' new book. Um, yeah, Stacey Abrams is the politician from Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. who basically flipped the state. And uh, mm-hmm. she talks about uh, fo- voter disenfranchisement in the states and like her, like she's so inspiring. Yeah, maybe that's a, that would have been a really cool person to mention for the inspiring part. Like, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but don't anyway, worry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's definitely such an inspiring story because she actually mm-hmm. won like the popular vote uh, for mm-hmm. To, for to be the to be the governor, but lost. Um, and so then, even though it's like she lost something, like that's so soul crushing, right? She didn't give up, and she kept campaigning. And like that is talk about heart, like a thankless work, like door to door campaigning yeah. to get people to register to vote. And so, you know, when like talk about like failure, and then like re- refusing to like um, give up. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I think I need to read this right now. You know. <laughs> Um, yeah so that's a that's uh what i'm uh, reading right now what's the book called uh our time is now our time is now that's amazing i hope so i god i hope that's the right right (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think i'm pretty sure it's our time is now yeah that is we'll look it up in the show notes later don't worry yes people to read (laughs) i love that i'm gonna check that out because i'm on a reading kick right now which is a big deal for me because i'm like not a reader at all. Um, so my recommendation is actually a book I'm halfway through right now. Um, it's definitely not about politics, but <laughs> it's uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on like every list out there. Reese recommends it. I recommend it. <laughs> um, it's been awesome. It's been my little escape during the during nap times for Taylor. So. Mm. <laughs> That's good. I actually haven't heard of it, so I guess oh. I'm behind a rock here, but I'll have to look that up after, too. Yay. And my rack for the week was a song that I've just been blasting over and over um, called Let It All... What's it called? Let It All Out. Yeah, by Coin, which I, I've only heard that one song by the, this artist. They're from... Nashville, but it's real good, nice indie pop jams, and since we're also talking about Ottawa music scene, I've been listening to, uh, well, for months and months now, Catherine Edwards' new album, because it's so beautiful, Um, so give a shout out to the queen of Stittsville here, (laughs) Catherine Edwards, total freedom, it's real good, of course, but um, yeah. That was my rec for this week. And Tiffany, how else can the people find you or if they want to find out more about Girls Rock? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would uh, say check out our website. It's uh, www.girlsrockottawa.com and sign up for our email list so you can be the first to know about our new programs and whatever else we've got going on because you you know we've always got something up our sleeves and uh, new to develop and new to show you. Um, also, you can find us across all the social medias like uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at um, Girls Rock Ottawa. 
Perfect. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Uh, what you're doing is amazing, and we absolutely love it, especially for young girls. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was such a nice chat. Yay, awesome. Well, we will... I'm bad at signing off. You do the sign off, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks again for taking the time to tune in today. If you know someone who would think this is awesome, make sure to share. And if you want to see this podcast grow, make sure to leave a review. And we'll catch you next time for another episode of Hello Lovely, the podcast.